Planting your guitar down on Pearl Street Or maybe you're a hippie Searching for the 60s Bopping in your bare feet Or maybe you're a stranger Ready to rearrange the ways in which you seek <laughs> Yeah, Whoever you are, wherever you go well, There you are, no matter the roads so Stop talking so fast, stop thinking so low Just love thyself, for you can never grow Oh, I oh, know Studying at the school, yeah A buffalo soldier doing kundalini yoga Or maybe you're a climber in the canyon divine A routine bag prophet with a cardboard sign Singing, whoever you are, wherever you go Well, there you are, no matter the road So stop talking so fast, stop thinking so low Just love thyself, or you can never grow older Unknown pine cones and sap Or maybe you're a suit with a biz attitude Where time flies by but the money's what you choose I know those with less who have given me more And I will keep that in mind as I sit with the poor And we'll talk about the sages, we'll talk about the ages Bright light, flat iron, full lotus, fires blazing I love you, the lions and the red rocks Never ever in the dead heads and zen house Wherever you are, wherever you go, well there you are, no matter the road, so stop talking so fast, stop thinking so low, just love thyself, but you can never grow older, I love you, yeah, whoever you are now, I love you, oh, wherever you go. Singing out loud, we love each other for a very short time. But we couldn't catch each other because we're too damn wild. As green as I am, and noir as you are, we painted it pretty, and yet we made it pretty far. I love what we had, and I know you know I do. So let the fire in my heart be enough to prove that. I love you. Yeah. 
What is going on? You just heard Boulder by Head to the Roots. We have a incredible show for you today. So uh, let's not waste any time. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rochester Groovecast podcast, your top source for live, local, regional music, interviews, and events from Rochester, New York, and the surrounding area. I am your host, Ben Albert, and I'm excited and humbled to have Anthony Siciliano on the show, uh, often known as Head to the Roots. How are we doing today, Anthony? What's going on, man? I'm well, man. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm also humbled to be on here. Uh, and yeah, I'm good. Just sticking with uh, the daily routine of being creative and keeping positive. Likewise. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I enjoy podcasts and conversations like this because we don't know each other well, which is totally fine and totally cool because certain episodes you know, there's a long history with the person and we can kind of shoot the shit about memory kind of stuff. And I kind of enjoy that it's a clean slate. I know that a lot of people listening might have a, a clean slate as well. Um, so let's, let's, you know, get started with the, the simple stuff. So head to the roots. Is there a meaning or you know, story behind where that name came about and, you know, furthermore, like what inspired you to create this music and start this, you know, band and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, good question. Head to the roots is kind of like, um, sort of this like internalized philosophy that I've just been revolving around. Um, it's kind of multifaceted. So the cool thing is like when I, decided to use this as a project name. Um, I didn't quite fully understand what it was going to mean to me. So it was kind of open to evolve. And as of now, it's kind of about like just getting, it's literally heading to the root of X. So like it might be me like heading to um, like the roots of where I grew up, which was actually in Rochester. I did some traveling and living like other cities in the united states and um the path brought me back here so that was kind of like a trip that the name literally kind of aligned with like me heading back home um uh, another instance might be like maybe like get to the forest for me that's like going to church or like that's my my medicine is to like get out into nature and like get a clear head so head of the roots it's almost literal in that sense um and then I see like other meanings around it. Like I, I like to think a lot and contemplate. Um, so like asking why, like why, maybe like why do I behave that way, or where did that come from, or why am I influenced in this sort of way? So it's it kind of like covers a lot of ground, um, which I'm enjoying. It's kind of like unfolding for me. We're kind of like growing together. So it's it's interesting. It's almost like an entity. Um, 
and that drives a lot of my music. Uh, the last song I played, actually both of those first songs I played kind of live in that area of like, um, of contemplation, which I don't need to break down the songs, but it, mm -hmm. it does, it seeps in my music for sure. So, so far the, the, um, the name Head of the Roots is kind of fulfilling and living up to a, a good standard for like the kind of music that I'm playing. And, um, yeah, to, uh, get to like the second part of your question, I would say, um, I definitely love music just as a form of expression, um, especially like singer songwriting, like folk, folk rock, where I'm kind of live with my sound right now. Um, just to be able to use words and lyrics and wordplay and to tell a story or portray like a, a feeling, you know, or something like that. Um, and that really, you know, like really started strong, I think, with the guys who were picking up acoustic guitars back in like the 90s like dave matthews is a huge inspiration for me um i love his songwriting and his words are great and there's a bunch of guys in that realm you know uh john mayer jason mraz jack johnson john butler trio it's a long list and there's guys that are going today like trevor hall nako xavier rudd like those guys are carrying that like acoustic uh, powerful, like acoustic rock kind of torch. Um, that stuff's always inspired me a lot among many other genres. Yeah. No, that's huge. Um, I, I love everyone you just mentioned there. And, um, yeah, it sounds like you're contemplating everything from the, the roots of where you grew up to the roots of, you know, the root cause of different issues and different things. And a lot of those musicians address that as well. Um, that That's great. So uh, when did you, no one wakes up and becomes a philosopher, becomes a writer. Did you have any influences or mentors that kind of put you, pushed you in that direction of contemplation and kind of kickstarted your songwriting in that regard? Um. Actually, I think, um, no, I, I remember now that you bring it up, I remember kind of just at one point in time, maybe around the age of like uh, 16 or 18 or something like that, like starting to just write. Um, at least hopefully I'm not discrediting anyone who helped me on the path. But um, yeah, I, you know, like, I remember poetry being something I was always attracted to, like in school, like maybe your teacher gives you like a fun English assignment, like write like a 10 line poetry. And I love those. So like um, those obviously like showed me that was something I was interested in. And then just on my own, I just like start writing. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And it, it's been a long time coming, you know, your, your music sounds great. The songwriting, um, you play a lot of great covers. I, I saw you at the Fairport Brewing Company and Temple Bar and Grill where you played everything from Dave Matthews to Originals and The Grateful Dead. And um, so Head to the Roots is a cool entity now. Um, you've got a bass player. Talk about, you know, the before and after. Did you always have a band or, you know, what was the chronology with that? Sure, yeah. Um, I have played in like bands and different renditions, like in different places. Um, but then when everything kind of pointed me back here, I just went in solo, um, pretty stripped down, but 
I definitely wanted more than just solo acoustic guy. So that's when I got like the loop pedal and the stomp box to get like a beat going. Um, and I had like a tambourine on my foot, which I still do. And, uh, made like a suitcase kick drum. So I'm starting to like fill up the sound. Um, and then Drew approached me on Instagram actually, which was awesome. And he's like, yo, you want to jam? And he came out to like a show I played at Boulder. And uh, it was just really easy to get along with Drew. Oh, I'm talking about Drew Rosenberg, for those who don't know, Bassman Drew. Um, we've been playing together for almost a year now, I think. So he came in and just like whew, filled out this town like with big, fat, sticky bass lines. And um, yeah, now it's like with the sound growing, I feel like we've we've just been like kind of growing into different um, venues, I guess. Um, yeah. So, yeah, here we are. The duo has been cool. It's been a lot of fun and more musical. We have, like, more improv sections, too, which is fun because we can hold it down for each other. Do you write music as a duo as well, or are you pretty much the primary songwriter and he's kind of the guy that fills in and completes the sound? How does that work between the two of you? Yeah, you know, I think we're still working that out, um, but we do, we have written songs together. Um, and then we have, a, of course, like a bunch of pieces of songs together. Um, so there's a mix of both. I, I certainly feel like my strongest territory is when I'm just kind of like alone in my room, like at night or something, I just like write a piece and then I can bring it to him and then he's like, he has it and like so fast, you know? Wow. Um, but yeah, we've definitely been bouncing ideas off each other too. That's great. And uh, there's something I want to take a few steps back because I didn't address it. Um, sure. You mentioned that you're from Rochester, but you left and you came back to your roots here. Um, are you born and raised in Rochester? Where did you travel to? What was that like? Yeah, cool. So I was born and raised uh, in Victor, which is east side of Rochester. Um, and then came the time to go to college. So I went up to Burlington, Vermont. And that just being like kind of its own microculture kind of like opened me up a bit, extend, uh, expanded me in different parts of me that I didn't realize like were inside of me. So um, that really sparked sparked a flame for like national <laughs> travel. Uh, so I had like a real desire to like visit different cities, um, live in the van, live out of the car, like camp out in parking lots, whatever, just kind of drift around and like feel it out for a few years. Um, and then I think the, the thing that I'm doing now in Rochester, which is like, I really wanted to share my songs and be part of like the production and the community of music and like have a, a network of people who are sharing that. Um, I was looking for that and I kept trying in different places on the road, um, East and West and never really totally lined up until I came back here. Um, and then when I got back to Rochester, I just kind of kept doing what I was doing, which just kind of get out and play open mics or try to grab a gig or something. And, um, dude, the Rochester community is like extremely nourishing and supportive for musicians. It's like, 
it's been amazing. Like I so much gratitude for just the community that we have. I mean, you know what we have here. Agreed. Absolutely. How long ago did you come back? Yeah, I moved back in 2017. Okay. So, I mean, I was bouncing from like 2014 to 2017. And then, um, that summer I, I landed and stuck pretty hard. So it grew, <laughs> it just grew fast here. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. A couple things I want to ask you, but let, let's start with you mentioned that when you went to Burlington, Vermont, a lot of things opened up for you. Can you recall um, bands, experiences, you know, things that kind of were that tipping point that kind of opened you up and shot you in that positive direction? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Uh, yeah, let's see. One of the first things I think of is just um, there's a lot of deadheads in Vermont. I mean, there's a lot of deadheads everywhere, but I wasn't exposed to like the Grateful Dead until I got there when I was like 18. Um, and then there's like, uh, I guess a lot of like kind of crunchy folk, uh, kind of earthy, crunchy, you know, it's like a hippie kind of place, especially Burlington. It's kind of like a melting pot of those ingredients. Um, and then... You know, they have, like, a nice, strong, like, local food movement. Um, they, like, have a kind of, like, eco-consciousness. Stuff like that that I just was, like, getting introduced to for the first time. So it was kind of, like, very loud in my face. Um, and that's when I was just, it, like, created a hunger to start diving into, like, other micro-communities in our nation. Um, yeah. That's, so that that kind of comes to mind. Also, they have a pretty cool music scene there as well with like Nectars is there on Main Street um, and a bunch of other awesome little side spots like right in town. So, I'll yeah. Tell you, I'll tell you, I love Nectars and I have never, I feel like I'm never in Vermont at the exact right time. I'm always there like middle of winter on a Wednesday. But middle uh, of winter on a Wednesday there's still like free music all across the, the main mall strip. There's music all the time. Like you can tell they're very supportive of local music there. Definitely. Yeah. That, uh, the um, church street, that like marketplace area was also kind of a new feature for me too. Cause, um, being out in like Victor, I was more of like a woodsy kind of guy. I never really came into Rochester. So like Rochester didn't, really come into my life until I came back when I was older, like 26 or so. Um, so going to Burlington and like having that marketplace where there's like buskers and like, there's just like a lot of activity in like a centralized location was like, was kind of like a, a small step into more of like a city environment for me. It's cool, man. And you said after that you were basically living in a van traveling a lot. What were, yeah. what were you up to, I, man? I, yeah. <laughs> well, I had a couple renditions. Uh, I definitely like did like a very long kind of two and a half month journey. Just kind of like it was a real loose drifting with a buddy who also wanted to do something like that. Um, just visiting like visiting cities like uh, Austin or Savannah, Georgia, Boulder. Eventually made it out to Portland, Oregon. Um, and then I did another one. I I really like going back and forth, apparently, across the states. 
so I like came back and I, I actually did like the VW like van life thing with a buddy and we went out to the mountains, of Colorado, both in college death. So we like, we needed to work. So we worked as like campground hosts up in the mountains, which was like, it was a fun job man. super campy, but to like wake up like no cell service, no light pollution, no, probably no air pollution or second to none. I mean, uh, it was a really beautiful experience. So I think what I was mainly up to was just kind of like trying to explore myself more and figure out what I really wanted to do after like lots of schooling and lots of study. Um, and also I think I was just trying to find my spot, find that spot to like take root into and be a part of the community network. Yeah. And it brings you all back to Rochester, back to the roots where you started. Um, what happened when you moved back? Because you moved back from more wilderness, vagabonding kind of journey, and there's cell service and a ton of lights and a big city where there's, I shouldn't say big city, um, just to be honest, a small city, but huge amount of um, cultural energy in that small city. Um, all that going on, like... Um, is it is it shocking? Is it different than when you're out traveling? And what did you like about returning back? You know. Yeah, man. I it was it was shell shocking. Um, I will say that, like from the mountains, I went actually to Portland, Maine, east. So, which is a similar size to Rochester. Um, they're pretty close, and it was shell shocking to go from living like an old van with like a pop-up and then you're out in the mountains to like living in a very small like apartment on a main street next to a gas station. It's very like a lot of noise, right? A lot of traffic, um, different scene. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was shocking, but I think the desire to like play music and be amplified and get the lights going and the amps like hot like i think that desire like trumped my i would call it a need to be like out in the out in the forest so i'm just trying to find balance in between those which um you know the portland thing didn't really work out for its reasons which brought me back here um and we have like awesome nature outlets too that I've been exploring here. So like, I love the balance here. It's like a perfect play between city and nature. It's been cool. I'm, I'm with you, man. There's, you can't travel five to 10 miles without finding a nature preserve or a park in the area. Um, and you never know, you might go back to those roots. And when you're, I'm thinking when I'm older, I'm going to move out of the city and do the more relaxed thing, but you're young, you're writing music. Um, what's it feel like when you're like up on stage and you put all this time and effort into writing these songs and looping and practicing? Um, what, do you, why do you play? You know, what, what excites you when you get on stage? Yeah. Nice. That's a great question. I know like that's like the moment, right? The culmination of like all the work around it and outside of it. And then that's like, the time to just have fun and like make noise and perform and be goofy and also tap into that spot of just like 
like we hear, you know, we know it as like flow state or just like tap into that spot where you're not so much thinking, but you're just kind of a part of like that feedback of like the connection between the audience and the music. And like, you're all kind of just connecting over music and like the energy and the wave of it. And dude, that's like a wicked powerful thing that can happen like that. Man, I could like go into that, you know, that we all probably can understand from going to concerts. Like mm -hmm. going to concerts is similar to going to the woods for me. It's like going, it's like, uh, it's a spiritual experience. So I don't know. I just, music is just one of those things that's high on my list that I just really value. And I, I think I just love, I love it as a, as a medium to express it kind of it kind of is able to use the language of emotion which can be hard to put words on with like the actual language of words and storytelling uh and feel it just kind of like you know puts it all together in a nice little song a nice night out <laughs> it it brings it all together because uh i know a couple of times we've talked about on the podcast how when you're younger the musicians on stage almost seem like gods, like they're they're godlike. Originally quoted by Adrian D'Angelo, bass player, but there it's you're younger, and the connection of the emotion and the music is something that's uplifting and surprising, especially when you haven't been to a thousand live shows and it's done so well. Um, and everyone experiences it as you get older, it's more like a brother and a sister than a God. Cause everyone, they're just humans on stage, just regular people. Was there any shows or musicians when you were younger that kind of like blew your mind that super influenced you kind of, you saw them as gods, you saw them as great influences or mentors. Nice. Absolutely, man. And it's almost like, everybody that I saw on stage felt like that to me. Like when I wasn't actually doing it, you know? Um, but then like, as I was, you know, getting older, the real big guys in that kind of God for me, um, was definitely Dave Matthews. Um, some people follow fish around some people follow the dead around. And for me, it was my, my buddies and I would go to the Dave Matthews band concerts and just, laugh and cry and sing and dance and it was epic um so yeah like that band and dave alone like mean so much to me in my own journey it's huge man i can relate to dave's a great example of a band that's popular enough popular enough but also earthy and fun enough that mm you're not going to a pop show and singing like a top 40 song the entire time. There's a huge catalog of music that everyone there knows. So you go to a show like that, you're singing with your friends and your neighbors and strangers. So I feel, I feel that man. Um, I've heard you cover a, a couple Dave songs in the shows. I saw you, you're using a, a looper, a didgeridoo. Uh, obviously, you're not just going on stage and screwing off. Um, what's it like, you know, the time and effort to, I mean, didgeridoo is a great example, learning circular breathing. Uh, wh what's it like to be learning these great musician songs and incorporating all these different elements? What, what, I guess what I'm asking is what does it look like in, 
an hour or two or three hour session where you're just alone? Like, uh, what influences you? Are you just trying new things or, you know, uh, what, what's it look like if someone were to just kind of spy on you on the weekend while you're practicing, man? Nice. Sure. Yeah. Great question. I mean, that, that can uh, show up in all sorts of ways, but maybe at its best, what that looks like would be like these days, I think sitting down with a loop pedal, um, I've enjoyed that for a while now, probably almost 10 years where I'm like messing around with the loop just as like a tool in the toolbox, which I always advocate to anyone who doesn't have one who's playing music, like loop pedal is where it's at to just kind of like explore because it's endless. So I think I rely heavily on that tool, especially during my like, maybe just like my explore, like exploratory times with music um, because it's such a, it's like having a second person in there that does what you want to do for as long as you want them to do it for, you know, it's just that hypnotic cyclical thing. You can really work stuff out. Um, Yeah. Then, then you start, I guess I was, I try to stay creative and like put songs like these Dave songs and try to put them into the loop pedal and see what that could look like. And then on occasion, a gem will pop out and I'll get like a cover that I can totally recreate and almost make my own and use the loop pedal. Um, those, yeah, that's like a, that's been a really good way to like craft my set for the past few years being here. It's great, man. It's great. And, and what didgeridoo's obviously a slightly obscure instrument. You got to learn how to circular breathe. Um, yeah. It's got to be really hard to go from circular breathing into an instrument, which it, for people that don't know circular breathing, you're almost not breathing. You're taking in breath and you're what you you basically hold breath and then you release it and then you breathe in. How, how does that work? Yeah. It's, um, it's like all muscle. It's like a muscle memory thing where, um, the didgeridoo by its nature creates like a back pressure. So as you're blowing into it, um, for the most part, it, it can actually get easier as you kind of like balance the output of your breath towards like, the back pressure that did reduce. So it kind of creates this like, I, it's like the pressure, almost like a friction. So using that, you're able to puff up the air in your cheeks and then you're able to blow the air out of your cheeks while you inhale through your nose. So technically that passage is getting closed off. Um, I need an anatomy lesson to really get that right. But, trachea uh you'd inhale and that so that is closed off everything does get like separated as it would if you're trying to you know blow out of your mouth and inhale through your nose but um you do use the instrument to your advantage and that's how it technically works it's cool man and for anyone who doesn't know um a didgeridoo is kind of like a long rain stick shape with a big hole through it kind of like you're blown through an air horn at a, a football game but <laughs> at the end of the day like you gotta breathe circularly like um anthony's explaining because it's a 
constant motion of sound. There's no like breathe sounds or rests, um, which is really freaking tough. And, and I'm curious, uh, didgeridoo's a Aboriginal different instrument. Is there any instruments that you're learning slash also play or anything super weird that you'd like to learn? Nice. Yeah. I have a sitar. Um, that one's, that has its challenges too. A lot translates cause guitar, but, uh, I haven't dug into like actual traditional, like raga type Indian music or traditional ways of playing or reading their music. Um, I kind of just fiddle cause I just love the way it sounds. It's like such a beautiful instrument. My friend had one. I was like, this is awesome. Um, yeah, that that's probably the one. But see, there's so many good instruments to actually learn <laughs> too. All of them have a, a special character in in all regions of the world. So, yeah, um, no one wakes up and buys a didgeridoo or a sitar. Are there any influences that you kind of modeled and used as uh, mentors when you brought those instruments into your music? Nice. Yeah. Um, Xavier Rudd, which I believe we share that artist in common, right? You know, you know, Xavier Rudd. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. When I first heard him, he's heavy on the didgeridoo. Uh, he's an Australian guy. Um, once I heard him and his music, I was just like taken to a, a different place. And uh, yeah, I ordered one online. <laughs> Kind of classic, but it is from Australia, and I didn't actually go there to get it. But um, yeah, he was definitely the guy who introduced me to didgeridoo. Um, I love the sound of it; it's just so primal and like also hypnotic, and just like it's an era. It's like a woodwind, also percussive. It's just like mm-hmm. simple but complex. So I like that one. And um, for sitar, it was definitely Ravi Shankar's music. Um, there was Monterey Pop Festival in 67. Shankar played. Um, there's a YouTube video. It's like 11 minutes or something. It's amazing video. It's so slow. Like the pace of the video is so slow, but the music is absolutely like cerebral. It's amazing. Um, getting introduced to his music and like listening to more of it on Spotify and stuff. Like I was just like, yeah, would love to like get my hands on a sitar and just be able to like sit down in a quiet room and just play that. It's amazing. I, I've seen Indian orchestras with multiple sitars and the tablas and a whole set, and it's just mesmerizing and opens your eyes that there's all sorts of crazy fun instruments from all different cultures. Um, and a lot of it is made possible with the internet, with technology. Obviously, I think it's normal to address, you know, COVID. We're pretty much quarantined and uh, playing music online and recording music on our own. What's that experience been uh, for you? Have you been playing live shows over the internet? Have you been focusing more on the songwriting? Um, How has the past couple months gone for you? Yeah, definitely. It was a time that like it bred kind of innovation. So I quickly shifted to like the live stream shows. I was trying to do like every weekend or every other weekend, you know, make like a flyer. 
And that was a, that was a blast. It's kind of hard to play just for like a, a phone in like an empty room. Um, it it took some getting used to, um, but overall, like the connection is still there. Like we're still, I'm still like there talking to friends and family and fans and replying to comments and stuff. And everyone's getting good things out of it. Um, and like I said uh, at the beginning of this podcast, like just being able to perform even like this brings out like the same fulfillment uh, that I would if we were being are able to like be out there and play. Um, so I was doing that. Um, and then I've been working on a, a new track. Um, it's been about a year and change since I released some like recorded music. So, um, yeah, I'm working on a fresh track. I want to get that out or like a handful or something. I'm just, I just started, honestly. I was like, I just going to start recording and see what happens. So mm-hmm. I've been just trying to learn more about the process of like recording and mixing. And, um, yeah, from soup to nuts. <laughs> That's a term. <laughs> from su- I love it, man. From soup to nuts. Uh, I think my friend said it once. I'm not even sure if I'm using it right, but. I enjoy I enjoy soup and nuts, so you know, dude. Yeah, or cashew soup, nut soup. I haven't had that, but I got to put it on the bucket list, I suppose. I think I have had it. It's actually pretty good. I um, (laughs) you you mentioned how I forget exactly what you said, but it's very humble and a lot of gratitude, kind of providing a a story that your experience performing online for people has been, you know, just as fulfilling and just as enjoyable as the live show um, that I'm impressed and surprised because it, it's completely different medium. And um, I'm curious if, if it ever doesn't feel that way, do you ever feel like just smashing your guitar and quitting? Or are you completely committed to the music industry? Yeah. Um, uh, sometimes I can get down on myself. Um, but I would say actual performing, like you said, like that culmination of actually going out and playing like that really is the payoff. So that always keeps me like pretty fulfilled and motivated. Um, I would say when I'm, when I'm not doing that and I'm trying to like do all the other behind the scenes stuff, that's when I can get, that's when like some of the challenges can come on heavy and I can just have a, like a string of bad days or something. Like all of us, like all of us. Sure. Yeah. Just riding the wave. <laughs> so basically the performing aspect, is that what gets you in that flow state or that state where um, every, it's like riding a bike, everything's just happening you know, for us, not to us. And it just seems simple and easy and everything's just going smooth. I'm trying to describe flow for anyone who doesn't know. Um, what creates that state for you? Is it playing like a brand new song that you haven't played live? Do you just fall into it? How do you fa- fall into that flow? Yeah. Recently, I feel like um, it's focus. I, I feel like one of the keys to open the door of flow state is just focusing on whatever it is you're doing. Um, so up there on stage, like if, if I'm playing a song for the 
120th time maybe i i guess i could go through the motions and like be half-minded about it but the real challenge which sometimes i might not always meet but like my challenge for myself is to try to focus the best i can and be present on what i'm doing even if i've done it a bunch of times because i feel like you could always go a little deeper and then in that spot through the focus you almost lose yourself to the music and that's where i think some really great improvisation can happen like new things are bred and then the song could almost take on like a variation of some sort like a lot of jam bands you know evolve and do yeah taking something that's what i love about not just jam music but jazz or acoustic music or anything that's live is bringing in that specific moment and that transfer of energy between, you know, the, the musicians and what they're playing and the audience and kind of what they're looking for. Um, what prepares you for that? Are you the kind of guy that just kind of gets on stage and starts? Are you, do you have any pre-performance rituals? What gets you in that state of mind? Do you just dive in or do you have a routine? Yeah, uh, I have developed just like a small, quick pre-show routine of just kind of like gratitude, just being grateful for like being able to do this in the first place, um, to be able to share songs, be heard, make people feel like have a chance to make people feel or feel good. Um, so that's it's that's kind of where it's developed so far. Just a little like, all right, like I'm here thank you for everything that's gotten me here you know and um let's go up there and do the best we can tonight that's awesome yeah you come yeah. in with you come in with gratitude and uh i'm presuming most of the time it goes uh, exactly how you wanted it to is there any specific shows or venues or locations or just experiences that stick out as like holy moly, I want to play there again, or wow, the, the energy was great. Uh, any venues that you'd recommend or moments you want to talk about? Sure, yeah. Obviously, there's um, there's a good amount, and I really like bits from all sorts of places, um, so it's hard to pick. But like, as you asked, like I know I've had some really – good moments at um, Fairport Brewing Company, right on University, that location. Um, I like their space a lot. Like the warehouse is just very reverberant and you're just catching everything coming back at you. And you feel like your instrument feels like 10 times bigger. My singing voice sounds like 100 times stronger. Um, and it, they're just like building out a good vibe there. Um, Fairport B-Side's another spot that I've just, like, come to build, like, a little family there in Fairport. And, like, that's, like, a special room, too. Um, similar to Temple, because that was a really special night for myself and Drew. That was our first time playing there. And, like, you know, Temple's, like, a huge staple in the scene. So, like, we felt very excited to play there. Um, so, like Temple, uh, B-Side out in Fairport is just, like, it was a venue. It's like a, it's a spot made for music. So when you get on that stage, you can feel, you can feel the music that everyone's kind of played there. And, uh, it just like caters to the night and the performance. Um, 
yeah, those, those are some that really stick out. That's great, man. And shout out to all these venues and yeah. of course the audience, because, um, Fairport Brewery is a great example of a venue that has a large stage and the opportunity for has to be a couple hundred people capacity. It's a great venue for big live music. And then Temple as a, another example is smaller, but it has the more intimate spending time with the audience feel. So there's always a translation between the audience and the music um, is there any shows you've seen or venues that you'd love to play kind of like a, a dream venue or a Mecca of your career to open or headline somewhere else? Oh, nice question. Yeah. Uh, for like the roster scene, I mean, seeing like Michaela Davis play at anthology or I saw Rushok play at photo city. I was like, ooh, yeah, that's, like, that feels big, like, something to, like, step into, you know. Or, I've, you know, saw, like, Giant Panda there for news a couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. And then thinking, like, bigger than that, um, I like the festival scene. I want to I hop more into the festival scene. So, like, things like uh, maybe, like, Cali Roots. I've never been, but, like, I've seen so many – videos i'm like man it seems like such a vibe out there uh there's like friendly gathering over in vermont that i went to and that was like real just super cozy like festival vibe out there so those are some that that come to mind and of course there's some like epic venues like some classics like the beacon or the Fillmore's like those, man, they, they must reek of history, you know? Absolutely. Stuff like that. Yeah. Fillmore is huge. The beacon. I, um, I've never been to Cali roots. I've never been, uh, to any festivals really in Vermont, but I, I got a shout out Sterling stage. I got a shout out, um, the G lodge for smaller festivals. We'll talk a little bit about it. And, grassroots did do you know the grassroots festival of music and dance in ithaca oh yeah yeah i haven't been personally myself but i obviously know plenty about it too not to mention our local festivals for sure yeah Yeah. i i I just want to to shout that out because head to the roots with you know um the acoustic elements some aboriginal elements raw i think that's a good fit and um I just love music festivals for the same reason, you know, bringing in music that's diverse and not always quote unquote radio friendly, more of a live experience where there's open for improvisation, um, so on and so forth. Uh, So right now it's guitar loop, you know, didgeridoo, bass, are you trying to fill it out as a whole band or do you like it in the more stripped down element? Um, certainly we, I know, I definitely intend to fill it out. Uh, when I say we, bass man, Drew and I also talk about it a lot. Um, slowly but surely, we definitely plan to grow the sound with, whatever you know drums would be great um 
maybe more horn, like horns, not more horns. I do do a mouth trumpet sometimes, but that doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely want to build up the sound for sure. When when you say mouth trumpet, you're just <laughs> making a trumpet sound with your mouth. Uh, yeah it's not bad i i've been known to i've been known to do a little bit of mouth trumpet i think you're probably better than me though that was a good deep tone nice (laughs) thanks i won't do it or i'll i'll do a little bit i'll I'll try i'll try i kind of have a sore throat i don't think it's corona i think it's allergies but that's good yeah man that's god it's dialed in it's focused <laughs> i'll work on it i'll work on it um cool man uh any other any other interesting elements from mouth trumpet to didgeridoo to uh, any other interesting elements that you like to throw into your music Hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Oh, I had a shout out. Uh, You've got plenty. I as played, well. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I will whistle occasionally or play a harmonica on a song or something. Um, I've got a tambourine on my foot. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I've maxed out my capacity as a like multi-instrumental soloist. <laughs> right, right. My feet are pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. I heard that. I heard that. And um, in a moment for the live audience, I want to give you an opportunity to play a little bit more music for as long as you really want. We'll stream live. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast and you didn't see it live, you're actually going to miss the private performance. Uh, so hop on to all of Rochester Groovecast podcasts. We film them live every Monday and currently Thursday, but moving it to Monday and Wednesday. So you can actually see it happen live. If you're listening now, that's fine as well. Um, But check out rochestergroovecast.com, Rochester Groovecast on Facebook to see everything happen live as we record the podcast. Um, But what's the best way to get in touch with you, Anthony, from, you know, Facebook, Instagram, how should people reach out for Head to the Roots? Yeah, those those are the main ones for sure. Facebook and Instagram are both at the handles Head to the Roots. Um, I do have a website too uh, that has contact info like email, etc. Um, yeah, those those are the ways. Or live. Come out to a live show and say hello. <laughs> when we are out and running um, and things are back to to full function uh, i keep a an active like a uh, show list on my website which is head to the roots.com so just like dates locations times you know there's no better time to see a live show than when everything's officially cleared to open up because obviously head to the roots has been dying to play and yeah. you're dying to see live music so that's gonna happen uh, are you doing any live streams right now or anything like that um i'm thinking i'm gonna set one up soon uh it's been like a minute since my last one uh as i've just been kind of taking it like week by week i think as everyone else has just to see like what what's next like what's the news what's happening so um it seems like 
we might be shifting back into society, but um, I know performances won't be. So I'm sure live another live stream will be soon sure. to come here in like a couple weeks. Um, but for like Instagram, things like that, do you have new content on there as well too? Yeah, dude, great question. Yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to stay connected there. So like Instagram, I, I keep pretty active. And then um, oftentimes like link that right up to Facebook or um, sometimes Facebook might just get like something special. So mm. I play the field niche. <laughs> awesome, yeah. awesome. We're all, we're all going to keep our ears here and ready to go. Um, to check out more stuff. There's one more question I ask every single guest. I love to ask it. Um, and it's a billboard question. Uh, imagine you're, you have the opportunity to control a billboard. You control the content, um, whether it's a word, a sentence, a, a phrase, an image. Ultimately, you control the content of that billboard. And it's on a super busy, a super busy road. There's very young people, older, male, female, all races, all intelligence and personality types. Basically, the largest data set you could ever imagine. And if you could take a, a word, phrase, anything from your music, another musician, something brand new, um, what would you put on that billboard? to kind of send a message for the world and why would you choose that? Nice. Epic question. Nice. <laughs> uh, I would say remember to play. That's uh, been like a useful little mantra for myself. Um, something I'm always trying to just remember and like actively put into pursuit in my own life. It's just like, playing brings so much joy and happiness and like within play comes a lot of creativity. Um, yeah. As I, you know, I see as like I get older and I bear more responsibilities, it's almost like I have to remember more so to just like play or like set aside time to just um, do whatever, honestly, just set some time, like a container of time to just like sit on your back and think and, don't even try to do anything at all or like go out into the woods and like climb trees or paint or something, you know, music caters to that as well. Just like not practicing, not rehearsing, not trying to learn a song or scales, but just like play noodle and see what happens. That tends to be where a lot of songs come from too. So that's what I put on the billboard. I love it. Remember to, to play everyone you need balance, obviously you you want to have that balance not everything has to be serious you got to have a little bit of fun and have fun checking out anthony head to the roots um instagram facebook google it anything that we missed out on any last words on your end um yeah i would say um you can check out some of the recorded music i do have out streaming on like digital platforms um that that's the i did an ep that i mentioned earlier so that's called transitions so you can find that pretty much streaming wherever you would would reach for on digital medias sites <laughs> you know like spotify itunes google play etc beautiful hey man i i want to talk more obviously uh dive a little deeper have you on here again 
And uh, I appreciate you coming on. For the live audience, do you want to play, uh, whether it's just a, one more tune or as long as you want, do you, do you want to play some music for us? Yeah, man, I would love to play another song or, or two. Um, but yeah, man, I want to thank you, too, for having me. Um, through you, I just I feel more connected to the Rasha music scene. And um, as far as I understand, because of you, you have created like an outlet for people to to be able to dive into that and like get to know it more. So thank you, my man. I appreciate it, man. Uh, I've never even said this before, but listen, I, I feel like I'm more of a dot, dot, dot or an exclamation point. It, it's you guys with the creating this music that is the actual content that, that keeps people going and excited. So um, yeah, I'll give you the the last uh, word with some tunes here, man. I'm excited. Sounds good. All right, cool, man. Happy to play. Um, I've been really just jiving on this tune lately. It's an original. It's not yet recorded, but uh, it's just been a lot of fun to play around. So this is called Top of the World. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. As a lot of you have noticed in previous episodes, we are recording everything live via Zoom, streaming over Facebook, and uh, things like Anthony's live performance. That is actually exclusive to people that are on the live call. Um, so you want to keep in touch with Rochester Groovecast. Go to Facebook and keep in touch with all the events for Rochester Groovecast because you get to get the inside look and you get a little bit of the special insider stuff when you watch the the recordings of the podcast live. But I do want to give you guys something uh, in addition as the the listeners of the audio today. And that's why we're going to play one more song. I head to the roots. Uh, let's put on cross-legged, cross-legged by head to the roots. Uh, thank you again to Anthony. Thank you to everybody for supporting the show. And uh, we will talk to you guys all very, very soon. One, two, one, two, three, yeah. Cannot explain like planetary alignment or dancing in hopes for rain. Or find me something that I, I don't know is true. Find me something I can hold on to. Not refuse 
Like a radio romance in those old grateful tunes. Come on. Like a train, I lay down the track if you deliver me home again. Oh, again. Oh, when did it begin? Cross-legged, holding hands, singing songs about something bigger than ourselves. And oh, we've heard it all before. The ripple it washed up on the shore. The watermark much higher, higher than before. Uncertain, but I know that I am searching for something that is somewhere other than exactly where I am. Surrender is to find something I I cannot explain. Ooh, explain. Ooh. Oh, when did it begin? Cross-legged, holding hands, singing songs about something bigger than ourselves. And oh, we've heard it all before. The ripple it washed up on the shore. The watermark much higher, higher than before. And oh, the streets they were full of feet, and the hands they were shooting peace. Save the ocean, save the bees. Give a hug if they're still for free. I can still hear them sing. Mr. John and Old Georgie, Ringo Starr and McCartney, singing songs about all we need. Yeah, yeah, all that we need. Yeah, yeah, all that we need. Yeah.